Luke chapter 14, we'll pick up in verse 16 today. Jesus replied, he told this parable, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done. Notice this phrase, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Lord, thank you for your word. In these moments, would you help us to hear what you want to say? Holy Spirit, may you drive into our hearts in a much deeper way than I can ever communicate. Have your way in these moments, and may we respond faithfully to serve you in every way, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. If you were here last week, we heard God specifically speak to us from this passage of Scripture, that all people are welcome at Jesus' table. And God desires a full table, a full house. Each person has the opportunity to respond to the invitation from God. Uh, You can have a relationship with God now, and you can have the fullness of what we refer to in Scripture as eternal life later. To the fullness. Now, we, we began, when we got saved, when we became a child of God, we began living eternally immediately. Uh, but there is a fullness of that, right, that we have yet to experience. We sing about it today. That time when he will wipe away all tears, and all sorrow and grieving and pain and struggle will be gone. We're looking forward to that fullness, because we may be a child of God now, but we're still living in a world that is impacted with the consequence of sin. So we're looking forward to the fullness of eternal life. And I want to remind you today that whether you have never made a decision to follow Jesus or whether you made a decision once in your life to follow Jesus, but since then you've allowed space in between you and God, you know you're not walking closely with Him. In either case, and everything in between, God welcomes you to Himself today. The Holy Spirit is drawing you to Himself today. Jesus wants His table to be full. He wants you to be part of relationship now, and He wants you to be part of eternal life when this life is done. If you missed last week's message, you can always go and check out epag.church, visit the epag app or anywhere you get your podcasts, and take a listen and hear the words from this passage of Scripture. Today, I want to focus on and consider the servant in this parable. Scripture teaches us in Luke 14 that this servant was one who was sent by his master. Another way that we might say that is this servant was commissioned or the servant went representing his master to other people. We think about an ambassador from America who goes to live in another country 
and they are going on behalf of the leader of America, of the leaders of America. And they're not going with their own agenda. They're not going with their own words. They're not going with their own plans. They're going to do as they have been instructed to do, to honor the master and to convey the words that he wants other people to know. And that's the truth about these ser- the servant in this parable, is the servant was sent and commissioned with the words to speak and the actions to take to invite people to the table of Jesus. Secondly, we notice about this servant in the parable that he did, in fact, announce the in- master's invitation. Another way of saying announcing is to proclaim. Uh, another way of saying to proclaim something is the word preach. Now, most people think of preaching uh, as what's going on right now. Someone is standing on a platform, somebody's leading a service, somebody's wearing the microphone, and they're sharing the Word of God. But in reality, while there is a vocational call of ministry, preaching is what you and I should be doing every day of our lives. I don't mean to be loud or boisterous or, or, or aggressive in our ways, but simply proclaiming the truth of Jesus in every opportunity that we have. That's with our words, that's with our actions, that's even on social media. That was a good place to say amen. It's that we are always about the Father's business. We are those sent ones and we're to proclaim and preach. Notice the servant faced some rejection. The rejection wasn't to the servant per se, even though that servant dealt with it. The rejection was ultimately to the master's invitation. And notice that the servant went to all people. It started, of course, in this parable when Jesus was teaching. It was an indictment against the Jewish people and especially the religious leaders. These were people who had what we commonly refer to as the Old Testament and the law of God. These people had the prophets. These people had the promises and prophecies of a Messiah who would come on the scene. And when Jesus came on the scene, they rejected him. They rejected him as the Messiah. So then in this parable, the master goes on further to send the servant out to those who were considered less than in society. The, the, the not just less fortunate, but the less than class of society. And, and most of the Jews would have immediately thought of the Gentile people, the people who were not raised up in the Jewish tradition, people not raised up in the law of God. And, and good thing that this is the case. Good thing that the news of Jesus came to the Gentiles or we wouldn't be saved. That was a big part of what Paul in the New Testament was all about in his life and ministry, was taking the gospel to new places, uh, ultimately, uh, oftentimes, non-Jewish places. He'd start Jewish at times, but then he would end up talking to a lot of Gentiles as well. And then notice in the parable, the servant then goes in the town through the roads and then also the country lanes outside of the town. And I don't know how you see this, but when I read it, I can't help, think, help but think about Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1 before he goes back to heaven. When he ascends back to heaven, right before that, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's home place, in Judea and Samaria, that's outside of home into the region of the area, and then to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see this play out with the servant here in Luke 14. Go to the people I've invited. Go and invite more that are considered less than in society. Go invite all people. Go into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in. We see it in action. 
Now, we know that from last week's conversation that we're all invited to the table of God. Here's what we need to recognize this week. Now that we're people who have accepted the invitation to be people of God, to follow Jesus, then we are now also to be servants of the Lord who are sent to announce the Master's invitation from our personal experience to all people in our world. We're not just to come to Jesus and just know Him ourselves and then keep Jesus to ourselves. We're to go out and tell others about the difference and the power of God in our lives. And I just pray today that we never lose the motivation we see in Luke 14, verse 22. When the servant came back to the master, and the master told him to go out and reach those who were less than in society, the servant said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. There is still room for everything that we've experienced in Jesus and everything that He's promised to us that that we would come from this place of walking so deeply in relationship with Jesus, so deeply in love with relationship with Jesus, so deeply abiding in Christ that our experience wouldn't be surface level with God, but it would be a deep relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God. And from that place, from that nearness with God, we would want everyone to follow Jesus. We would want everyone to know God. We would want everyone to experience His power that we could say to people, I know the difference God has made in my life, and I know the joy of following Jesus every day of my life, and I know how He speaks to me, and I know how He shepherds me, and I know how He leads my life, and I want you to experience this relationship with God. That we would never lose the motivation that there's still room for people to experience God. The songwriter said it best years ago, though millions have come There's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. We're coming up on the holidays, and probably like many of you, uh, family will come together and enjoy a lot of wonderful moments. And Every one of us is looking forward to putting our fat pants on for Thanksgiving, for curling up on a couch where it's warm and watching football and eating, I don't know, I may mispronounce what Minnesota's best dishes are, but where I come from, uh, it was, well, there's an old country song that says cornbread and chicken. That's about right. But where I come from, turkey and dressing and, and, or stuffing, you might call it, and uh, all the different side dishes like green bean casserole and all these things. Some of you are starting to get hungry. I can see you licking your lips this morning. But one of the joys of being together around the holidays is to, to be with our family members. For some families, uh, ours included, uh, that's a time of year that, that we see our family members that we may not see very much at other times. Uh, holidays, when you live away from your family, holidays become the time when family members decide to get together and eat and spend time. If you've lost a loved one in this last year or, or even beforehand, you know what it's like to sit down at a table around the holidays and miss that person who used to occupy that seat. 
You know what it's like to look across that table and not hear their voice or hear their laugh or their jokes. You know what it's like. You knew what that person would say at the key moments throughout the time of family being together, throughout the time of eating. It's hard sometimes to sit at holidays and say, man, I wish, I wish that person was still here. I wish I could be with them. I wish I could spend time with them. These were always such great moments. And while those moments are so significant, I pray that we would go a step further in our lives to imagine how much more significant it is that our family and friends would ever miss out on eternity. That it wouldn't just be about someone sitting at our table around the holidays and eating a meal, but imagine what it would be like for our family members or our friends to miss out on eternity. Imagine what people are missing right now, not knowing Jesus. That peace you have in your heart, even in the midst of chaos, that way of navigating life, even through the difficulties in the valleys. Uh, to, To echo the words of the psalmist, to be able to go through the valley of the shadow of death and yet fear no evil because God is with us. And yet there are so many people who see the same things we see playing out in our world. There are so many people who deal with some of the same tribulations that we deal with in this world. And yet they don't have that peace in their hearts. They don't have that joy in their hearts. They don't have the strength from a greater source than themselves that can help them to be able to carry on in life even when it's hard. So it's about relationship right now, but it's also about eternity. Imagine the thought of being in eternity and not having your family members with you. Those people that you're around in your family, those people in your friend circles, those people in your neighborhoods, those people that you work with, imagine those people not being in eternity. And when we think about that and we remember that God desires a full house and a full table, then we recognize today that as long as we are on earth and as long as we have breath in our lungs and as long as we have the opportunity... We must respond, and we must share Jesus, and we must inspire people to follow Him. My concern this morning for the church, the body of Christ, is not that we would have hate in our hearts towards people that keeps us from inspiring other people to follow Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I think hate does exist at times, and I do think that people can still have prejudice, bias, racism, you name it, in their hearts. And it's important for us to continually pray, God, if there's any barrier inside of our lives, inside of our hearts that would keep us from reaching out to someone else for the cause of Christ, then change us. If there's something in me that's got a root somewhere, take it out. If there's anything in me that offends you, take it out, remove it, point it out, and lead me on that right path. That's what the psalmist said. But I'm, I'm not as concerned about hate, although I understand hate can exist. In fact, when you go and read of Jonah, often Jonah is known for being swallowed by a big fish or a big whale, and what many people have called it, uh, but a big fish. The reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, have you studied on this? The actual reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is he knew the power of God's Word. And he knew that if he went to Nineveh and preached God's Word, the truth that God wanted him to preach... That God, who is gracious and compassionate and merciful, would have mercy on these people and they would actually get saved. Go read it for yourself. Jonah actually tells God, God, the reason I didn't want to go is because I knew what was going to happen. 
I was going to preach, and they were going to respond, and you were going to forgive another group of people. But he didn't like them. He didn't want them forgiven. He hated them. He had something in his heart against them. And that can be true today if not careful of other religions or people of other ethnicities or people that come from foreign lands. People can have things in their heart. and You may not say you have it and you may not say it's right, but sometimes there's evidence that comes out in the language that people say. It doesn't take long to talk with individuals and hear if there's still something in their hearts that speaks of not just a fear, but even a critical spirit or, a, or an anti-spirit towards someone else. We would never want to live with hate in our hearts and someone not know Jesus and experience eternity because we were the barrier that stood in the way. But my concern today might not even be that. It might not be that you have hate in your heart. It might be that the church must fight against apathy. My greater concern might be that the church has to fight. We've got to fight in our hearts and our lives against apathy. Apathy, if you define it, is simply indifference. It's lack of interest. It's lack of enthusiasm. It's lack of concern. And how this plays out in our world today is that we're surrounded on every side in our world by the evidence of sinful man. We see every day things playing out in our world that show that the problem in humanity is deeply embedded in the heart. And it would be easy for us to become so accustomed to what we're living in in this world. I think for most of us, we've probably stopped with the, man, I didn't ever think I would see this in the world. And now we say things like, well, nothing surprises me anymore. And we can, we can get to this place where we're desensitized. We're no longer bothered by it. And, and if not careful, on a practical level, even like media content is full of the sinfulness of man. And, and Christians can sit and absorb those very same contents, those very same things, and it doesn't bother them. Boy, it's really quiet in here this morning, I've noticed. You didn't have enough coffee this morning. We can lose sight of the fact that people are dying daily and being separated from God for eternity. Every day. Luke chapter 15, the next chapter in the Gospel of Luke, describes the heart of God. Luke 14 has taught us that God desires that His house, His table be full. He wants everyone in relationship with Him now, and He wants everyone at this great celebration in eternity. Luke 15 teaches us that God goes to great lengths for lost people to be saved. And I would tell you that much of the work that God does is through His Holy Spirit, through His church. He uses us. He speaks through us. He leads us. He empowers us to go out and to reach lost people. Even the furthest of the lost people that we would think have no hope at all, God goes to great lengths to reach them. One writer said this way, God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. How merciful and compassionate and gracious God is. That God would be more willing to save sinners than sinners would be to be saved. And then you get into Luke 16, and it seems like 
there's some intentionality in the way the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write this gospel. Luke 16 goes on to remind us that there is a chasm that is fixed between eternity with God or paradise and separation from God for eternity, which includes torture and punishment. What what am I saying? There's no do-over. I like to play golf, and that season's about over for this year. But in golf, you have mulligans. I like them way too much. I also carry a foot wedge in my bag. Some of you didn't catch that. Foot wedge. Move the golf ball around. If you've played with me, you've probably seen it. But the point is that a mulligan gives you the opportunity to hit it again, to do it again. That's not what we get in life. We get this one opportunity. And Luke 14 tells us God wants this opportunity to be that we accept His invitation and come into a relationship with Him and be with Him for eternity. And Luke 15 says that God has gone to, go, go to great lengths in order for us to be saved. Not only the fact that He uses us, but the fact that He even sent His own Son to die on the cross in our place. And that we must accept that invitation or there is an eternity that is separated from God. How could we ever become so apathetic? How could we ever become indifferent to this? I want to remind you of the verses of Scripture I shared last week. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if you'll open the door, I will come in and sit with you and we'll eat together. And I said, oftentimes we quote that verse of Scripture in talking about lost people. Hey, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and he's just waiting for you to invite him or welcome him in. But actually, Jesus was talking to his church. And in Revelation chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, this is what he said. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Notice this. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, this passage when I was growing up was often misunderstood. I would often hear people preach it basically to the effect that it's rather you be cold and not try to walk with God at all than to walk with God and be half in, half out. Some of you know you grew up that way. You've heard it preached that way. Actually, if you study the context of Laodicea, you understand that hot water has a purpose. How many of you took a hot shower this morning? Raise your hand. Good. Now I know who not to talk to after service. Hot water has a purpose. We enjoy a warm shower. There's a cleansing sense with hot water, right? And cold water has a purpose. When you're really thirsty, you want something to drink. I remember as a kid, and I guess this probably is anti-every organization that thinks we ought to live differently these days, but as a kid, we'd go up and pick up this green long thing called a water hose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we'd pick that thing up, and we'd go to drink it, and how many know if the sun had been beaten down on that water hose for just long enough, that water coming out initially was absolutely nasty. It was lukewarm. Cold water has a purpose. Hot water has a purpose. Lukewarm water does not serve a good purpose. And here's Jesus talking to his church saying, you've lost your purpose. 
You've lost what I intend for you, how I intend for you to live, and you've lost your purpose. And what's happened in Revelation chapter 3 is we can get so caught up in this world and so caught up in the weeds that we lose our purpose for the kingdom of God. Or we're so focused on ourselves that we're not paying any attention to the people around us. Well, we're good. My house is good. My kids are good. As long as we're good, we're good. But that's not the heart of God. We must never lose our awareness of Jesus and our passion for all people to know Him. God wants every person to experience what you and I have experienced. And I don't have time to get off into, if you're not walking deeply with the Lord, I, I want to challenge you, there are greater depths and higher heights in Jesus than you could ever imagine in your life. No matter what you've experienced with Him thus far, there is greater for you to experience. But I pray you experience relationship with Him so deeply and so strongly that you will have a passion that all people would experience that. That I want all people to know what I know in Jesus. That I want all people to know that that Bible, that truth of God's Word, is actually true. It is reality for us who are in Christ. That I want people to experience eternity with God and not separation and torment and punishment. We must never lose our awareness of eternity. And our passion for everyone to be prepared to spend, God, spend it with God. So listen, whether Jesus takes his church out of the world today, or whether Jesus takes his church out of the world 50 years from now, while the scripture points to the imminent return of Christ, the point remains, no matter how you interpret the end time timeline, that there's going to be a rapture or there's going to be death. And there is a reality of a place called heaven with God. And there's a reality of a place called hell of punishment and torment. And there's a reality of the when it's all said and done, a great judgment that is going to come. And the way for us to survive that judgment is are we in Christ or are we not? Are we following Jesus or are we not? So we must take action to bring people to Jesus' table. Notice what the master tells the servant in Luke 14, verse 21. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. I think it's important that he told him, don't waste any time. Don't, don't wait for the conditions to be perfect or right. Listen, I, I want to challenge us today as the church. If we're waiting for the conditions of our world to improve and that somehow Christianity is going to become more popular, you're going to be waiting forever. Jesus said that in these days, we will face opposition. We will face criticism. We might even face persecution. And it's, you think you're being persecuted now because somebody tells you to wear a mask somewhere, and I'm not debating that with you today. I'm simply saying that's nothing compared to what real persecution is like for many of our brothers and sisters. We... We must not wait till the conditions are perfect. Well, if I talk to this person, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be just as awkward if you hug Bill Tibbetts at the hub with wet jeans. So what? By the way, my jeans are dry. And so, just throwing that out there. It's, it, 
it's going to be awkward if I walk up to it. Well, I don't, is, is this just the right time? Man, they're, they're putting groceries in their car. Should I really say anything to them? Uh, man, they're clearly looking for some mac and cheese on aisle three. Is it, uh, I really need to bother them right now. Oh, we're in the middle of this big project. I, I know, God, you're prompting me, but man, I, I don't know. Should I really step through the, and the master's telling the servant, go out quickly. Do what you can do now while it is day, for the night will come when no one will be able to work. Take action now. You wait for that perfect moment at Thanksgiving dinner, that perfect moment at Christmas celebration, that perfect moment to interact with your neighbor, and that perfect moment may never come. Or the moments that you do have might pass you by before that person enters into eternity. We can't wait. We can't wait for perfect conditions. We need the empowerment of the Spirit and to step through in that prompting to talk to people about Jesus. We can't waste time. And notice what verse 23 says, that the master told the servant, go out into the highways and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. What is the master saying? Don't leave any place out. Don't leave any stone unturned. But with earnest persuasion from the experience that you are living in Jesus, from the passion that comes as a person who knows Christ personally, go out and compel people. Jude said that we are to go out with mercy, but that we are to snatch people from the fire. Think of the picture of that. I've shared that before on a Wednesday night teaching. My, my daughter, my youngest daughter, is two years old, and she doesn't understand things are hot or cold at some times. So if I've just scrambled some eggs on top of the stove and I turn that eye off, that stovetop off, it's still hot. And she could walk up, and if not careful, she could touch that stove. And so I have to reach up, sometimes before she gets right to the point of danger, and grab, right? And pull back and say, no, 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 it's hot. And she's learning from that. And I get that picture when it talks about reaching people for eternity. When we talk about going out and not leaving any place unturned, I get that picture that we're snatching people from the fire. We're snatching people from eternal judgment. I pray for more and more people to say yes, like your family, to go into places all over the world and to serve as global workers in so many different capacities. I pray that people will take trips to have an influence and an impact in places all over the world. But it is my prayer today that we would not just be missionaries on missions trips, but that we would see ourselves as servants of the Master and missionaries every day of our lives. In fact, I will go far enough to say that in the day we're living, it may be that we start feeling more and more like missionaries than we ever have before. The ultimate question for us today comes down very simply to this. Will we be obedient to Jesus? Maybe you're in the room today or you're online and you say, you know what, I've heard this passage preached before. I've been challenged to be a servant of God before. All, all of this is stuff that, that maybe you were familiar with. So then our question is to look in the mirror and say, are we doing it? Are we taking that action? Will we be obedient to Jesus? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Proclaim that gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We are sent to proclaim to all people the good news of Jesus Christ. What will be our response? I heard someone say years ago that we should either go or send or we disobey. Go or send or disobey. I would change that today and I would say we must say go and send or we disobey. It's both and, not either or. Just because we may not be called uh, to go to a foreign field, just because you may not step foot on other continents, doesn't mean that God hasn't commissioned you to go. So together we send. There are those who are called, and thankfully they respond to go to other places and to inspire people to follow Jesus. We commonly refer to these individuals as missionaries or global workers. And a lot of times, at least the people that we as a church sponsor and help and partner with are people that are boots on the ground in these other countries. They're sharing the gospel and they're training the people of that nation to share the gospel as well. Much like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, if you're looking for is this model in Scripture, Paul in the New Testament was one of those workers, a missionary or a pioneer missionary in many ways, who was dependent upon the generosity of people just like you and me today. These global workers are dependent upon that now. This is their life. They've committed themselves to inspiring people to follow Jesus, and many of them themselves have committed themselves to live in foreign lands, learn a brand new language, live among a totally unfamiliar culture, and bring light into some of the darkest places on earth. Think about that. If today God tugged on your heart and said, I want you to give up everything, and I want you to go somewhere you've never lived, somewhere you don't have all the information or even the language, somewhere that you have to be dependent on me and trust me to provide for you. It's amazing how many people today are saying yes to that call. And they're not saying, yeah, send me to the islands of South America or the, or the islands off the coast of whatever place. They're saying, send me to the dark places. Send me to the places where... The majority of people in that country are Islamic. Send me to the places where they're Buddhist or Hindu. Send me to the places where there's no local church. People are saying yes. And that's why we as a church support more than 75 global units sending nearly $15,000 a month out because we believe that these people have committed themselves to Jesus and to His work, and we want to be a part as they're raising their budgets to give to them so that they don't have to wait for resources so they can go and answer the call of God. That's why we do this. So on your seat today, I'm just going to talk about it for a moment, and then I want to carry on to another point of response for us really quickly. On your seat today, there's what's simply called a faith promise card. Now, there's also a QR code on the screen, and you can find this QR code at the hub today. 
What is a faith promise? What, it, what does that mean? Because if you're new to church, you've probably never heard this language before. Uh, you may have heard in, a, in a, um, a different setting a word like a pledge or a commitment. This is not that. This is a faith promise. And what a faith promise is, we're simply saying, God, as you provide, I'm committing to give to help send these people, these partners all over the world. I'm committing to give. As you, God, provide. Now, I would tell you, faith promise activities and actions can be a real step of faith. Uh, In fact, I would say everything in a walk with God is a step of faith. It just so happens that we tend to trust God least in our money. The statistics now today report that evangelicals only give 2.5% of their income. That's not a tithe of 10%. So when we talk about faith promise giving, we're talking about saying, God, I want to be a part of your work, and I'm recognizing here's my, here's my livelihood, here's my income, here's my budget, here's my expenses, here's all of these things. But God, by faith, I want to pray and I want to ask you, Lord, what is it that I can do to be a part of this? How can I give to be a part of this? And it may be, I've seen it happen many, many times in my own life and in others, where God prompts your heart and says, I want you to give this amount per month. And you're saying, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I'm not sure I can do that. And God may call you to trust Him in that. God may give you a number that fits in your budget. I will tell you this. That if you, this is your first time, what my challenge to people always is, if it's your first time to commit to say, I want to be a part of supporting and sending, I want to be a part of partnership, then I would say that you just simply commit for the very first time $5 a week. Now, you say, well, even that, Pastor, I don't know. Well, it seems like we have more than that just for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And we've got plenty for the subscriptions we have on TV. If you're like my family, you probably have more subscriptions on TV than you can watch at one time. Sometimes I'm not sure it's even a huge step of faith. Sometimes I wonder, is it a matter of priority in our life? Is it a matter of saying, you know what, I can go without that cup of coffee one day this week? Because if you go and get like a caramel ribbon crunch, it's $6 and something just for the grande. Don't ask me how I know. But if you can say, God, I'll give it up. I I don't have to have that. Because my coffee is not as important as somebody knowing Jesus for eternity. And you can fill in the blank. There may be a lot of other examples. If you're giving faith promise for another time, you've done this before and today you're coming to this and you're like, yeah, I'm familiar, I've seen these before. And uh, you're coming back to it. There's a tendency in our hearts to just kind of check it off. You know what? We made it through this year. It fit the budget really well. So we're just going to sign off on this card and renew for another year at the same amount. It may be that God wants to increase your faith even more. It may be that the Lord says, hey, why don't you add to this? And let me prove my faithfulness. In fact, in Scripture, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10... And I know a lot of people want to talk about how it's part of the Old Testament writings, but tithing and giving and generosity is actually included in much of Jesus' teaching as well in the New Testament. But in Malachi, God is speaking to a people and He says, uh, you've robbed me by not giving the tithe, but if you will test me in this, I can't find another place where God said, test me in Scripture. 
Test me in this and see, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing in your life that you won't have room enough to receive. Now, we often think about money coming back. And I've, I've seen God do that. But I'm telling you, there are many other blessings that God brings in our life too that are not just money. It's when you're walking with Jesus and there's a peace and a joy in your heart and an empowerment in your life that you cannot do on your own that you're thankful for the blessing of God. So I want to challenge you today. God always provides in so many ways to those who prioritize His work. We as a mission support team, every year at this time, we begin to think, what can we do the following year? Now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the chair of our team, uh, Jay Benson, and I have talked, and we, we have a really huge dream that eventually we will climb up even further from here and be sending out $20,000 a month and more. Because there are always people who need the support, always people desiring the partnership, and there's always a work of the gospel to be done across the earth. So we have big dreams, but we also are very intentional to try to steward resources well. And so we understand that it's important for us to gauge our commitments. So today, when you complete that card, whether digitally or in, on paper, you're able to help us to budget well for the upcoming year. Now, you can join Amber and I and do this. You can fill out the card. In just a few moments, I'll have the ushers at the doors. As you leave today, you can drop it in, or you can scan the QR code here or in the hub to do that. Now, since you think that that was a lot of talk about money, let me talk about the other response. Together, we go and serve. I think part of the challenge for the church, maybe for us, is that we give money... And we could think that that lets us off the hook. We've done our part. We've made our effort. We've made this great sacrifice, although at times is it really the greatest sacrifice, but we've done our part. We drop the money in. We feel good about what we've done. We keep going. Honestly, giving money isn't really the thing that hurts or stretches us the most. Now, I understand the the economic times, and I understand that things can be very tight right now, and I know that people are feeling that. But in reality, if we're talking that matter of priorities a moment ago, the, the giving of the money side of it is not the thing that stretches us the most. In some cases, that's just kind of a threshold or an entry point into partnership with God and working for Him. Remember, we, we send and we go or we disobey. So in this, we're not just saying we want to give money. We're saying we want to actually go and inspire people to follow Jesus. So I'd ask you today, how much ownership have you taken over your neighborhood? How much ownership have you taken of your neighborhood? How much ownership have you taken to pray for your neighbors, to connect with your neighbors, to be with them, to invite them for a meal, to get to know them? How much ownership have you taken of your family? You're probably going to see, maybe some of you are going to see some of them soon. How much ownership have you taken to pray for them, to serve them? to welcome them into the family of God or to at least encourage them. Your friends, your co-workers, we could go on and on and on. We talk about the circles of life, and we all have them. The circles of life. And here's our action in every one of those ways. We first should pray. Whatever circle of life you're in, you should be praying for those people around you. 
We should be praying for our neighbors, praying for our family members, praying for our friends, praying for our coworkers. Can I tell you, if you have one of those rough neighbors that's really not good to live beside, or you have one of those terrible coworkers, or even a boss that's really like a jerk, we've all had those people in our lives. I find that when you begin to pray for people, your heart and your attitude towards people really begins to change. Because it's hard to pray for someone and continue to hate them. So if you begin to take ownership of those life circles in your life and begin to pray for those people that you're around, that's a first step. A second step is to show love towards them. It may be hard sometimes. It may be that you have to deal with someone who's not as loving to you. But isn't that the beauty of what Jesus taught? He didn't just tell us to love the people that are easy to love. He told us to love the enemies. You had me, Jesus, till that. Right? Because God, you don't know how bad they are and how they talk about me and what they've done to me or how they've manipulated things or how they've set me up. We could go on and on and on. It may be that you need to pray for forgiveness in your heart towards a person. So that you can show the love that Christ wants to show. And then thirdly, our action is to serve. What does it look like to serve people in your neighborhood? What does it look like to serve people in your workplace? What does it look like to serve your family and your friends? These people in your life circles. How can you pray, love, and serve? Can you take an action today? Can you take an action this week to do more in those life circles than just be immersed in an environment with people? Can you see them as souls that God sees and has given His Son Jesus to die for? So it's not just about giving money today. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus extended. So my goal for you today is to not give some lavish amount. My goal for you today is to give faithfully as the Lord leads. And then to serve faithfully as the Lord empowers. And He's promised to empower us if we will ask Him to. He will empower us, He will quicken us, He will help us, and we can go out and reach others for Christ. I can't tell you the times in my life that I've been in a place and I've felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. Uh, I, I can't explain it maybe to some who this would be a new experience, but for those who maybe have experienced this, you've, you can capture in your language that nudge, that pull, that, compo- that being compelled to do something, whether it's giving food to someone or money to someone or just asking to pray for someone. And I just pray that we as a church and we as a people in the body of Christ would grow more and more responsive to that nudge of the Holy Spirit, that we would grow more and more aware of the people around us, And that we would pray and love and serve. Would you stand with me today all over the room? So there's there's a couple of ways that you can respond. Or maybe you want to respond in all of these ways today. Number one, I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come and make yourself available on either side of the platform today. If you will just stand there and be prepared. Uh, in just a moment after I pray our dismissal, uh, you'll be able to pray. If you have needs, if you've got things going on in your life, there will be those who will pray with you, who will encourage you, who will point you to Jesus. Secondly, I'm going to ask that before you leave today, you pray over this faith promise opportunity. I'm not going to stand next to you, every person, as you go out the door and make sure you drop the card in. I'm not going to hack into your phone and see if you scanned a QR code. We don't do that here. I'm just simply inviting you to be a part of God's work. 
And I would tell you that if you will take that invitation today to be a part of God's work, God will show you some incredible things. So I want to encourage you before you leave today to pray over this. If you have a paper card, an usher will be at the door to receive that on your way out. They're not going to twist your arm either. Um, They're not going to attack you either. But if you have a paper card, you can drop that in. It tears off. You can keep a reminder and drop the card in. I don't look at these either, much like I don't look at what people give. This simply will be used to develop a total number for our budget's sake. You can drop that in, so take some time before you go to pray over that. I want you to also pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we would rise in courage today. Courage to step out and to step forth and to speak up and to help inspire someone to follow Jesus. I would even challenge you today to pray for the lost people you know. Maybe it's your family, friends, neighbors, co-workers. Pray for those people by name. Give an opportunity for God to work in their hearts today by saying, God, I I just pray your Holy Spirit be at work in them. I pray you send godly people. And Lord, even if you want me to talk to them, help me to have the words to speak. And then go from this place and take action. We, we We don't need to wait for God to confirm it anymore. God's already spoken. So today is the body of Christ. We can go from this place and we can bring people to the table of God and inspire them to follow Jesus. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to encourage you to take your steps of action and response today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us and for every person. We are so grateful that the truth of the gospel of Jesus, the good news, came to us. I pray today if there's anyone who has not made a decision to follow you, that today they would make that decision and they would experience new life. And God, they would walk with you every day of their lives. I pray, God, for we who will consider how can we partner today with your work. That today we will give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, but God, we're told you love a cheerful giver, one who wants to be a part of your work. So I pray there be a passion in us today that we would say we want to partner, we want to be a part of what God is doing. And Lord, that we would give, but we would also pray, love, and serve. Pray, love, and serve. God, I even pray today if there's someone who maybe is sensing a call to go to a different land, to reach an unreached people group today. God, I pray that you'd work in that heart. Maybe they would have a conversation with our guests today and they would be encouraged to take a step of action in that direction. So many things that you can do in this moment. So we will be with you right now and give you opportunity to speak to us and give you opportunity to lead us and help us, oh God. And God, I pray when we go from this place, we will take action and we will truly inspire people to follow you. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people. You make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. Go with us and keep us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name.